We are living under the delusion that burnout is the price we have to pay for success, which is untrue, and we have plenty of data to prove how untrue it is. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? For many of us, we're just shy of approaching the one-year mark since our communities first shut down as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. In this time, our culture of work has fundamentally transformed. In some ways for the better, where we've seen innovation and the potential of remote work, and others for the worse. While we've learned many lessons throughout quarantine, perhaps one of the biggest takeaways is the impact of burnout on our well-being and mental health as we shelter in place. A recent poll conducted by the Angus Reid Institute found that 50% of Canadians reported worsening mental health since the pandemic began, with 44% reporting feeling worried and 41% feeling anxious. Similarly, a Mornor Chappell study of Canadian workers found that 81% reported a negative mental health impact since the onset of the pandemic, indicating a significant drop in overall worker-employee health. But burnout culture is not a new phenomenon and certainly existed before it reached a boiling point during the pandemic. If anyone understands this thoroughly, it's Ariana Huffington. She's no stranger to burnout culture. Back in 2007, the media mogul reached a breaking point when she collapsed from sleep deprivation and exhaustion, the culmination of years of relentless hustle and 18-hour workdays building her news website, The Huffington Post. It was this experience that would set her on the path to eventually leaving her namesake and award-winning site and starting Thrive Global, a behavior change technology company whose sole mission is to tackle the cult of overwork and culture of burnout. It was built on the premise that success and productivity don't have to come at the expense of our well-being and works with individuals and companies to combat stress through science-backed, actionable micro-steps. One of those companies that has recently partnered with Thrive Global is Walmart Canada. Nabilek Stavalan is the company's Executive Vice President of People and Corporate Affairs and oversees more than 100,000 associates across over 400 stores. She's spearheading the company's well-being initiatives by using her own experience as a, quote, recovering workaholic to tackle burnout culture. I'm speaking with both Ariana and Nabila today about burnout and how it uniquely affects women, the culture of work, and the new era of leadership. We're so happy to be speaking with both of you. It's a very, very special episode, special interview with Ariana Huffington, CEO and founder of Thrive Global, and Nabila Ekstabalan, Executive Vice President of People and Corporate Affairs at Walmart Canada. How are you both today? We are very happy to be together and with you and look forward to this conversation. Absolutely. Excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Yes, definitely. Ariana, we were so excited to have you on on the cover of our last issue. And as I mentioned um, in our pre-chat, I didn't think we would be interviewing you again so so soon. So it's a real treat. And Nabila, it's so wonderful to meet you and to be having this chat together. 
Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And this is a topic that I'm very passionate about. And Ariane and I are, you know, becoming really good friends on this journey together. So any chance I get to be in a call or in a conversation with her is just an absolute pleasure. So we're here to talk about well-being, about burnout, about the culture of work. And I want to talk about this new partnership between Thrive Global and Walmart Canada. But I think it's important to first really set a foundation here about what Thrive Global is all about for our listeners, our audience, and really the principles that inform how the organization works. So Ariana, let's start there. What would you say are really the core values and the foundation behind Thrive Global? So I founded Thrive Global in 2016 uh, in order to combat the stress and burnout epidemic and help people realize that uh, we're living under the delusion that burnout is the price we have to pay for success, which is untrue. And we have plenty of data to prove how untrue it is. And I left the Huffington Post because I was passionate um, about helping people and take the steps in their lives that would allow them to end that stress and burnout epidemic because we see the huge impact it has both on people's health and mental health. So we are working with uh, companies. We are thrilled to be working with Walmart Canada and also working to create a societal cultural change so that we can leave the pandemic hopefully and build a new world where we don't all have to live the way we're living pre-pandemic, you know, in this frenetic, breathless way with all the terrible consequences that many of us experienced. I collapsed from burnout. Nabila has her own story of the cost of living that way. Yeah, I mean, to your point, you know, we live in this landscape of burnout driven by hustle culture and doing whatever it takes to succeed and and get to the top. And then you add to that the stresses of the pandemic and you've got really a recipe for disaster. But burnout can be a lot of different things. It can be defined in a lot of different ways. And before we try to find solutions to it, we kind of have to identify what it is and what it means to us. So how do you both define burnout culture and, and what does it mean to you respectively? Ariana, maybe you can start first. Well, the World Health Organization acknowledged burnout as a real occupational hazard. And um, it has many elements. One of them is that sense of being depleted that can't just be cured by a good night's sleep, but is much deeper. Uh, The other is a sense of cynicism and negativism towards your job, towards your life, which is a precursor to depression and anxiety. And what is particularly worrisome is that at a time like the one we are facing now, it's very easy to move from burnout to depression, anxiety, and a sense of alienation from your life and your work. In my context, it's the precursor to falling off the cliff to much more, I think, severe mental health, physical health, spiritual health issues that people will face. In a burnout state, you've basically depleted your coping mechanisms and your natural ability to handle accumulated stress. It's that accumulated consistent stress that leads to burnout. And when you get to that state of being, you've basically depleted your ability to handle the everyday stress of life. And that's what leads to symptoms or issues like anxiety and depression and you know other type of um, mental and physical and emotional challenges that people face. So burnout is, is kind of that last stage of 
identifying when you're starting to move into a, a serious, more, I think, mental and physical issues that people are facing. It's certainly something that I think a lot of people can relate to, especially in, in the workforce that we're in today in the culture of work. And it's become so normalized that sometimes people might not even realize that they're burnt out because it's just a part of our culture around work. When it comes to Thrive Global, you know, there's a lot of discussion and dialogue around micro steps. What are micro steps? Um, can you unpack a little bit about that and, and talk about what that means in relation to Thrive Global? After many years of studying what behavior change practices can work, we came to the conclusion at Thrive that first of all, you need a whole human solution. You need to approach the whole human. A lot of behavior change apps are point solutions, you know, a good app for meditation or steps or tracking your sleep. But we are all interconnected. So we need to address that. And um, to address it with micro steps. Uh, big New Year resolutions don't work, Lance. We all know that from our lives, you know, you make these big commitments and you break them by the end of January and then you are left with a sense of shame or guilt and you have a harder time getting back on the horse. So we are saying break it down to micro steps too small to fail. And we have hundreds of them literally broken down into 60-second interventions. My favorite is reset, you know, 60-second breathing pauses or stretching or gratitude or creating your own reset from things you love. Nabila has a beautiful one we shared with her teams uh, yesterday. So what makes me optimistic is that all that new science tells us that we can actually course correct from stress before it becomes burnout if we are intentional about it during the day and introducing a few micro steps around these key parts of our life, sleep, food, movement, and uh, the thoughts we hold in our head. These are like the different elements that come together to help us change behavior gradually. And the key here, kind of almost the secret sauce we have found is storytelling. Like the fact that when we brought our app to Walmart Canada, we have in the app Nabila's story of her wake-up moment when she realized that she was burnt out. We are collecting stories from associates all over Walmart because peer-to-peer -peer storytelling is key to inspiration and motivation, both from the top, granting cultural permission to bring about these changes, but also from your peers. I don't know, Nabila, how you see it and what you have found helpful in these micro steps. Yeah, what I love about the Thrive app and the model that Ariana and her team have built is that it's a no judgment zone and it's not a scenario where you have to change every aspect of your life to start seeing an impact and, and getting better. It's 60 seconds or it's drinking a glass of water with lemon before you start your coffee, which we all love. It's movement instead of this concept of like hard physical exercise we all think we have to do, but how do you integrate movement? It's taking, you know, extra steps to get ready for bed and it's doable, it's digestible. As Ariana said, it's too small to fail. And I think that's what makes the Thrive app and the Thrive challenge so 
accessible to such a broad audience, such as our entire organization, because it's broken down into such small micro steps. So it makes it feel like it's something you can integrate in your life and not something you have to change your entire life to do. I mean, even in my own personal experience, I have found that in instances where there seems to be this huge daunting task or, or thing ahead of me, it has always served me well to focus on just taking one step at a time and putting one foot in front of the other versus focusing on on the mountain ahead of you. And eventually you end up scaling the mountain, but it's all about perspective. And I think if you're able to kind of zoom in and out as you need to, it helps you to navigate that landscape. Nabila, so you oversee over 100,000 people in your role as the Executive Vice President of People and Corporate Affairs at Walmart Canada. Can you talk about how you're working with Thrive Global specifically and, and how it's helping you tackle some of the major challenges that you're facing in your role? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I started at Walmart Canada in August and I intentionally introduced myself as a recovering workaholic. So this is a very, you know, something I'm very passionate about. And uh, we had actually taken many steps in the beginning of the pandemic to give our associates additional resources for telehealth and access to additional um, mental and physical health. But we need to do more because we know that the pandemic is a long tunnel. There's light at the end of the tunnel, but it's a long tunnel. And so when we started to look at other ways we could support our associates, you know, partnering with Thrive was like just a beautiful opportunity. So we worked with Thrive Global to bring information sessions to our leaders, which we started back in December, starting at the top, telling stories and encouraging our leadership to tell stories about how they've, you know, improved their mental health and physical well-being. And then we've cascaded those journeys through all levels of leadership. And just uh, yesterday, we launched to 2,000 of our field, DC, and supply chain leaders. And in March, we'll be launching the Thrive App and the Thrive Challenge to all 100,000 associates in all of our stores and distribution centers across all of Canada. And it's a combination, again, you know, of storytelling, of micro steps, but we're also incentivizing our associates. So we've set aside $100,000 to reward our associates for taking these steps and nothing like a little competition to get people excited and a little incentive to get them to take that extra step to take care of themselves. So, you know, we're really excited to uh, bring this knowledge and share each other's stories and encourage each other to just increase the overall organizational resilience. That's what we're after is helping people improve their personal well-being, but also by each individual doing so, increasing the overall organizational resilience of the company. How do you measure impact and you know whether it is resonating with the people that are utilizing the techniques, the, the methods, reading the stories, the content? How do you measure that? How does that work? I mean, I think the qualitative way of doing it is is just by the response. You know, since we've started this journey, my inbox has been flooded with stories of store managers and leaders who've said, you know, thank you, thank you for you know starting this conversation, thank you for sharing your own story. Ariana and I both have been flooded with with those types of responses. So I think that is indication first and foremost, but then of course we can see the utilization and the impact in the app itself. People sharing their stories about weight they've lost, about how they're getting better sleep, about you know the accumulated effects on their personal well-being is information we can also get from the app and its utilization um, are all ways we can measure the impact. And Lance, that's a really good question because ultimately being very data-driven will ensure that everything we're doing 
is moved from a warm and fuzzy, nice to have benefit to something essential for the business. And that's how we can really accelerate the cultural changes. So at Thrive, we're very data-driven and we are going to be giving Nabila, for example, adoption and engagement metrics. We're going to be also with their help, track, you know, how is it affecting attrition? How is it affecting ultimately healthcare costs? How is it affecting productivity? You know, every business metric is going to be affected. Some will show right away. Some have a longer lead time, but everything needs to be data-driven. For example, we've brought this resets, this uh, one-minute interventions into a Walmart call center in the States. And the results are amazing. Just by uh, having these uh, one-minute calls fed into the operator to ask them to think of what they're grateful for for 60 seconds or take deep breaths or stand up and stretch, it both reduced their own stress levels and it improved outcomes with the problems they were dealing with. So what I think both Nabil and I are really excited about is that we can see such really meaningful results with such small interventions. Absolutely. And we're also surveying our our associates. So before the challenges and after, so they can also tell us, you know, what their experience has been and what going on this well-being journey has done for them. I think the other thing we, we really love is we've built in these accountability groups. So subgroups that are meeting together, colleagues, which can hold each other accountable to putting these practices in, into play. So there's, it's just a multidimensional approach to measuring and monitoring the impact it's going to have overall. Right. So a, a quantitative and a qualitative way of measuring impact, which is, is great. You're kind of hitting it from both sides. You know, in the end, Lance, it's about acknowledging culturally the productivity paradox. You know, as a culture, we've been driven by the desire to improve productivity, optimize everything, optimize workflows, and that's terribly important. But we've missed the part that uh, when we are recharged, when we take care of ourselves, we are more productive. And we had treated the two more as on opposite sides when, in fact, the one supports the other. We've said the same thing. You know, I think we don't believe there's a trade-off between well-being and growth. And we see and believe, because the science is clear and the impact on people and organizations is also clear, that we see well-being as a catalyst for growth. So we see this as a cultural investment and investment in individuals and investment in the organization and its resilience. And that over the long, short and long term, we'll see lots of positive outcomes as a result of it. Now, you know, people that are navigating burnout culture that are navigating the landscape right now all have kind of unique experiences. It's not kind of like a broad stroke rush across the board with everyone's experiences. And women in particular have really had to deal with the brunt of um, burnout culture. How can you expand on how burnout culture uniquely affects women, especially in a pandemic? And how does your work acknowledge that, I guess? 
You hit the nail on the head, Lance. And one of the first emails I got was actually from a female store manager. So she's a Walmart store manager. She's a working mom. She's a COVID responder. She's taking care of extended family in the home. We know that statistically speaking, women also have a higher burden in the home um, than men. And we also know that women are leaving the workforce at a higher rate since the pandemic hit than men. And, and we're actually losing ground in terms of gender parity as a result of it. And it just all became too much for her. Uh, you know, it all kind of accumulated and she needed to take a step back and, and really focus on her well-being. We are, you know, recommending with the Thrive app as well that this becomes a family activity. And we're encouraging all of our associates to take the Thrive app and the Thrive ZP app and do it with their families to create a change in behavior in the family and in the home. And, you know, as a result of that, I think starting to address the, some of the dynamics that are unfolding at home as well, because it's not just the stress of work, but it's the accumulated stress of what's happening in the home as well. And um, that's something we're highly encouraging, you know, everyone to do, and we believe it will make an impact. I also just want to add, I think, to this burnout culture. I'm also passionately talking about two things is number one, we have to stop pretending because women have a higher, I think, degree of feeling like we have to fulfill a stereotype that we can do it all. And if we admit that we're struggling or we admit that we need help, that it's a sign of weakness. And we need to address that stereotype head on. So women feel like they have the permission to admit that they you know, need help or, and ask for help. And then number two, I, I'm also addressing this tied to that. We stop pretending because a lot of people are suffering, both women and men. And I'm really, I want to like start a hashtag stop pretending because you know, at all levels of the organization. And we just keep soldiering on and pretending like nothing's wrong. And at the end, I think harming ourselves and our families and our organizations as a result of it. So these are all parts of the conversation. I think women need to hear these messages and they need to see other women living these truths to have the confidence to do so themselves. And I think that makes a big difference for women. Yes. Well, that's why it makes such a difference when Nabila shares her story of what happened to her when she was pretending that everything was fine while trying to manage a newborn and a big job. And we have a lot of tools and techniques to help couples share not just the chores, but the mental load. All the research shows that women carry the majority of the mental load at home. So our recommendation is to change um, the operating principle so that instead of the partner, the husband saying, you know, how can I help you, to say, what can I own? So that if you, I don't want your help with lunch, can you own lunch, you know, from conception to execution to completion? You know, I don't want you to take the child to the pediatrician. Can you make the appointment, take the child, tell us what's happening? You know, that's really been the big problem. Men have gotten better at helping, but women have kept the mental load. And now with the pandemic, having to homeschool, and work from home and manage the house and the food and everything is just like an impossible task, but also an opportunity to frankly fix what was not working even before. It's like we had to get to that point to actually look and say, we need to fix the way couples work and the way chores are divided. We even have digital cards that the couple can share with each other. 
So I'm taking the birthday party card. You know, you are taking the lunch card. And then every week, the way you have with your, at work, you have a meeting. You see what's working, what's not working. That may sound like too organized for home, but if women continue to wing it, they will be the ones carrying the biggest load. As a way to kind of uh, summarize a few things and and look a little bit forward, uh, you know, we learned a lot in 2020 about ourselves and how we operate and function. What do you think, you know, the new era of leadership and work will look like once we emerge, re-emerge from the pandemic and, and what are the opportunities out there to be seized? Yeah, for me, I think it's, um, you know, the, what we're doing right, right now, redefining what strength and success is. When you look at my LinkedIn profile, you know, you could argue it's the epitome of, so to speak, success, but there's a hidden cost to that. And I think there's a hidden cost to a lot of how we define success. So I think we need to redefine success from these mantras that we've grown up with, like, you know, just no pain, no gain to know when to rest and recover, right? Competing about everything to competing about the things that matter. Standing alone to knowing when to ask for help and, you know, the suck it up culture to cry it out when you need to cry it out and be vulnerable and authentic and be honest. And, you know, so this concept in the past where you have to just soldier through and never give up to knowing when to let go. These are fundamental beliefs that we know, as Ariana said, that we know don't work and, but we still believe them. And we need to unlearn these things and redefine success and redefine strength and change the stereotypes. And by doing so, I think creating a completely different work culture for the future and for future generations. Well, and that's why, you know, uh, Nabila's leadership here is so important, not just within Walmart, but the culture at large, because that thought leadership is key as we are changing false beliefs. Uh, false beliefs that frankly go back to the industrial revolution when we started revering machines and then software and therefore revere people who could be always on. And as Nabila said, missing the hidden cost, uh, which is there in the skyrocketing increases in diseases like diabetes and hypertension, the mental health crisis, we can see the hidden cost, but now we are being much more deliberate about addressing them. Now, if we can sum up in a sentence, what is the bigger picture and what is your mission at the end of the day? For me, it's it's to redefine workplace culture in a way that helps people thrive. And it's to stop the pretending, hashtag stop pretending, you know, at all levels of the organization. Um, you know, we at Walmart Canada want to use our size and our scale to be part of changing the narrative in partnership with Thrive and to join Ariana and her journey of truly impacting workplace culture so that the next generation of associates and employees don't have to pass out from exhaustion, don't have to go through anxiety and depression to be able to center their lives in a balanced way. We want to somehow make that shift happen. Yes. I would say that um, through partnerships um, like our amazing partnership with Nabila, at Thrive, we we see the pandemic as a portal that um, allows us, despite all the pain and the extraordinary losses, 
to go through it and build a new world of work. That new world will be based on the latest science, which actually validates ancient wisdom around what matters in life, what success is. And what I find so encouraging is that all the things we want to do, make workplaces more inclusive, more diverse, more empathetic, uh, are not going to happen if people are burnt out. Because if you are burnt out, you move into a fight or flight mode. You just want to get through the day. Don't tell me to also be inclusive, to also be empathetic, to also protect the planet. But when we actually nourish ourselves, we can give from our overflow. And, you know, we didn't mention, but I think it's very important that everything we are offering to Walmart Canada is also in French. The French translation of Thrive, which is Sepanwir, this is the title, which really literally means to expand beyond the problems we are facing. And that's kind of a great mission for all of us. The question is, are we shrinking to the level or are we expanding beyond them? Well, with that in mind, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful chat and I'm really excited to see the work that you continue to do. And um, I, I hope we can chat again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Enjoy your day. This pandemic is unprecedented and something that history books will document for years to come. 2020 was a year unlike any other and demonstrated our ability as a community to not only come together, but proved that societal level change is actually possible and has the potential to completely transform the way we live and work. This is a time for us to reevaluate our values our priorities, our health, and how we see ourselves not only as employees or leaders or bosses, but as human beings. Ariana and Nabila recognized a crucial connection between well-being and business, ultimately the bottom line, well before the pandemic and are now leading the charge for a future with hopefully less stress and burnout and more resilience and joy. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?